morning. And can we get some lights on in the house? Can we get some lights on in the house, fellas? Thank you, sirs. Thank you. Man, hey, I'm thankful for the blood, man. As, as Brother Chris talked about before he sang that song, the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Jesus had to shed his blood, man, so we could have a relationship with him again. And that old, oldie but goodie, man, gets me fired up. I love, man, going back, you know, turning back the clock a little bit and singing some of those old hymns of the faith, man. Praise be to God uh, for that. Uh, and so before we uh, dive into the word this morning, as you saw uh, there, we're wrapping, as was said earlier, we're wrapping up our series entitled Revive, uh, Revive, our last Sunday morning series. Uh, we're starting a new series starting next week called Deeper, uh, Deeper, and walking through what it looks like to uh, deepen and strengthen our faith as followers of uh, Jesus. And so I just want to make a quick word uh, before we dive into the text tonight. Just want to remind you tonight, we've been talking about it over the last few weeks, but tonight at our Sango campus at 5 p.m., uh, we're having our night of prayer uh, and worship there. Uh, and so 5 p.m. at Sango, information's in the bulletin that you received as you came in this morning. But uh, going to be a special time where we just seek the heart of God, ask for him to bring revival. But also it's going to be an opportunity for folks that uh, man, may need a healing, may need a healing. You know, as we talk about, James 5.16 tells us that uh, if there's anyone sick, Man, or in need of a healing among you, right? To call on the elders of the church to anoint them with oil and pray over them. Uh, and, uh, and man, the Lord does a work. And so we're, we're going to do that tonight. Maybe you're in here and you need a, a physical healing, got ailments in your life that, uh, man, that uh, you're struggling with. Man, we want, we want to invite you to come tonight. We're going to trust that God will bring a healing. Uh, maybe some of you, man, have a, you know, are enslaved to chains, addictions. Man, you got stuff in your life that uh, you just can't kick. Man, uh, we want to pray over you tonight, and so you don't want to miss it at our Sango campus off exit 11, a uh, night of prayer and uh, worship. So with that being said, if you got a Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be. We're, um, like I said, ending our series this morning, and uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Um, and, and I'll go ahead and uh, apologize in advance, kind of not really. Uh, I just came back from a uh, Disciple Now uh, event uh, that was uh, uh, that filled me up, uh, filled me up, man. The Spirit of God showed up and showed out in that place. And so here's the thing. I'm fired up this morning. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm fired up. And so if I get a little worked up, I apologize, kind of not really, though. Uh, hey. Listen, I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm fired up. This passage, man, is an awesome passage as well, talking about revival. Uh, and, uh, and man, you know, the Lord, um, you know, uh, showed up, like I said, this weekend and, and shook things up and shook things up. And, and that's what we're going to see here in this passage. That's what I've entitled uh, the message uh, today. Right. Even before I went to the D now. Right. God had placed that, uh, that message title on my heart. Right. Based on what we see here. Uh, and the message title is this. When God shakes things up. When God shakes things up, Acts chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 42 through uh, verse 47. If you're there, let me know that you're there by saying there. Uh, and if you don't have a Bible with you, it's all right. You, the verses will be on the screen there. But, uh, but here's what the word of the Lord says. It says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Let me go ahead and stop there and give some context on what's happening here, right? That Jesus has just ascended into heaven, right? Jesus came, died, rose from the grave, and now has ascended into heaven. And during his ministry, he talked to the disciples, right? Saying, hey, it's actually better if I leave, right? Because, man, one, 
is going to come. The Holy Spirit is going to come. And man, he's going to be with you always. He's going to reside in you. And so it's better that I leave, right? He dies, raises raises from the dead, and then ascends into heaven. And it says in the beginning of Acts chapter 2, right, while the people of God were praying, the Spirit of God shows up. In what is called the day of Pentecost, right? Where folks, man, from different areas of the world, speaking different languages, all could all of a sudden understand one another. The Spirit of God was moving. And folks were wondering what was happening. And then it says the Apostle Peter, right? Uh, Peter, the uh, the disciple, you know, that uh, walked on water with Jesus, the one that denied Jesus three times but then was restored. It says he got up, filled up with the Holy Spirit, right? Fired up and preached essentially what had taken place. And it said after that, man, over 3,000 folks came to faith. Peter preached the gospel. 3,000 folks came to faith. And at that moment, we saw the formation of the first century church. First century church. Right? God shook things up in that place at that time in the day of Pentecost. Folks got saved. Lives were changed. And we see a result of what happens after that says that they devoted themselves, these new Christians, to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Man, I'm glad, I'm glad God's still in the business of doing miracles, amen? Still in the business of working, man. He's, uh, he's still at work. It says, verse 44, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, pra- <coughs> Excuse me, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being Say, man, we see God shake things up right in uh, this context in the first century, man. And we see the result of what happens when he does. Here's the truth today. Hey, the church needs a shaking up. Doesn't it? We need a shaking up personally. It's so easy to fall victim to being in a rut, if you will. Right. So, yes, there's something to be said about consistency and walking daily with uh, the Lord. But if we're not careful just because of who we are as humans, man, what happens is it. It just becomes uh, uh, something that we do out of rote, right? It becomes something that we do just simply out of uh, tradition. And what we'll do is, man, we'll, we'll routine it and tradition it enough to get God out of it. And so from time, from time, uh, from time uh, to time, right, we need a shaking up. And we see that take place here in Acts 2. When God shakes things up. When God shakes things up, if you got, uh, why don't you bow your head with me and, and pray this morning. Why don't we open up in prayer and then we'll dive into uh, the sermon. Lord, we love you. We thank you, uh, Lord, that uh, you are still the God that uh, shakes things up. God, I pray for us here in uh, the room this morning, Lord. God, that you'd meet us where we are right now, God. Those of us in here who've been Christians for a long time, Lord, that may have fallen victim to God just making this Christian life about doing a whole bunch of stuff instead of it being about you, Lord, and our love for you, Lord. I pray that you'd shake them up today. I pray for those in the house today that don't know you, Lord. I pray, God, you'd shake them up, Lord, and they'd 
repent and trust in You, Lord. I pray for those in here who, man, are mature believers, Lord. Pray that You'd remind them, remind myself, Lord, that every now and then we need a shaking up. God, meet with us now. And we ask these things all in Your gracious and heavenly name. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. I believe here in the Scripture, when, when... God shakes things up. We see five things take place in the life of the church. Five things take place in the life of the church. You say, man, oh, Pastor Irv, we've got five points today? Hey, don't worry. We're going to go quick today. We're, I'm going to move through them pretty quick. But uh, we see five things take place whenever God shakes things up. Right here in Acts chapter 2. We see the first thing. When God shakes things up, we see a church, right, that is fully committed. We see a church that's fully committed. Think about it for a second. These believers here, man, they're brand new believers. Man, a lot of them, man, they've been Christians for a couple of days. And it says here in verse 42, man, that they chose to devote themselves, right? Fully commit themselves to a few different things. To the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers, man. These folks had a wholehearted commitment. They understood, right, that this Christian life wasn't just a fad. Hello. Hey, it wasn't just something that they did every once in a while. Man, hey, this was their life. This was their life. And so they chose to be fully committed. Say, Pastor, what were they fully committed to? It lays it out right there. First and foremost, they were folks that were fully committed to the Word. The Word says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Obviously, they gathered together and the apostles there, right? uh, It talks about them, particularly in Acts chapter 1. You can take a look at that at your own time there. But the apostles, man, they taught and they devoted themselves to listening uh, to that teaching. And so in our context, right, uh, folks were, uh, in, in our mind, the call for us is to be devoted to, right, attending church and listening to preaching. But it goes beyond that, right? It goes beyond that. The only time you shouldn't be, the only time you should be in the Word, or sorry, the only time that uh, uh, you hear the Word of God shouldn't be just on a Sunday morning. Only, hey, the only time you engage with the Word of God shouldn't be, you know, from my preaching. The call for us is to be fully committed to study the Word on our own. Read the Word. And so what does that look like in your life, man? Are, are, are you spending time in God's Word? Because, listen, you're not going to be able to live this Christian life. You're not going to be able to experience revival, right, if you're not engaging daily with the Word. Really, there's no excuse, Brother Rick, for us not to engage in the Word. Man, we can we buy several copies and a whole bunch of different translations. If you don't want to do that, you've got your phone. You can d- download the Bible app. It's free, number one. And they got all kinds of translations from, I mean... Whatever you name, I mean, new ones that they've come out with here over the last couple of years. So there should be no excuse for us not engaging in the word of God, man. We ought to be like the first century believers who understood the importance of digging into the word. And be folks that are fully committed to it, right? They understood what Psalm uh, 1, verses 1 and 2 uh, said pertaining to the word of God. It says this, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands... Or nor, uh, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, uh, of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. They understood what Psalm 119 verse 11 says. It says this, I have stored up your word. It wasn't, it's not, that word stored there, it speaks to not just a simple glance every once in a while. You know, every, every now and then, you know, 
some of us say, hey, we engage in the word. Well, that, that engagement's a couple of, couple of minutes once a week, maybe. No, no, that, that idea of stored, man, speaks to, I mean, it, truly engaging in it. Memorizing it, taking it in your heart. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Man, these new believers were hungry, man, to grow in the Lord. And so what that looked like was them being devoted to the word. Man, are you devoted to God's word today? Are you spending time in his word? We see, man, the church was fully committed to the word. Secondly, they were fully committed to uh, fellowship. Fellowship, that word fellowship in the original language, koinonia, right? Uh, it speaks to, um, you know, uh, gathering, if you will. In the context of this passage, right, it speaks to uh, these new Christians uh, being devoted to gathering together, right? Uh, and they, you know, did things, obviously, while they were gathered. They heard, you know, the word. Uh, they partook in the Lord's Supper. That's what breaking of bread talks about there. They prayed together, right? They were committed to gathering. They were committed to fellowshipping with one another. But also, it denotes, you know, this thought of them fellowshipping and hanging out outside of the Sunday morning experience. Say, Pastor Irv, what does that mean? What What are you talking about here? Here here it is. Those new Christians, right? You know, in in our context, the Sunday morning experience wasn't one where they just came into a room with a whole bunch of sea of faces, right? Man, they truly loved and cared for each other. They engaged in conversation with each other. Man, they were connected to one another. I love what one quote says pertaining to, right, to the church and fellowship. It says this, it's been said that the church is the colony of heaven. Church is the colony of heaven. What a statement, man. What a, what a picture. Folks from all over. Again, in the context of Acts 2, man, these people were from all over the place. They all spoke different languages. I mean, they were all from everywhere. Gathering together. Man, what a picture to the world. In the same way, man, that's how God desires for this church to look like, man. A family, man. They loved each other. Sure, man, we were, you know, there were some that were closer to others, you know, than other people were. But, man, they were connected. They were together. They understood what Psalm 133.1 said. When it says, man, how blessed is it when brothers dwell together in unity. They understood that. Reality, man. They understood that they were a family. One of my favorite movies of all time, Brother Tony, I think we might have talked about before. One of my favorite movies of all time, Remember the Titans. Y'all remember Remember the Titans, man? You know it came out in 2000, in the year 2000? Isn't that crazy? That's wild. It's wild. Y2K, man. That's crazy. But uh, one of one of my favorite scenes, actually, uh, you know, a sad scene in uh, the movie, but one of my favorite scenes, uh, you know, was when Gary Bertier, the star linebacker, he had just gotten into a car accident, right? And he's laying in the hospital bed. Um, and uh, if you don't know, remember the Titans, right? The uh, movie based in Virginia in, you know, 1971. Uh, integration just took place there for a long time. I mean, everybody was you know, segregated, right? They were one of the first schools to, to come together, blacks and whites, man. They played on the team together, and there was a lot of animosity in the town, but uh, through the game of football, right, they, they came together, and they were family. In, in this scene, Gary Bertier, star linebacker, gets into a wreck. Julius Campbell, African-American guy, right, uh, was his best friend. He comes to the hospital and visits him. And you probably remember this, right? He walks into the hospital. Gary's mom says, hey, you're the only one that he wants to see. He's, you're the only one that Gary wants to see. 
He walks into that hospital and the nurse is like, uh, hey, Ken only. Ken, hey, family members only. And Gary, right, he's laying on that hospital bed, raises up and he says, excuse me, lady, are, are you blind? Are you blind? That's my brother. Can't you see the resemblance? And man, hey, that'll really preach. Hey, that, that's the church, man. We may have different skin colors, but we're family in Jesus. Hey, listen, we may come, hey, we may come from, hey, we, we, hey, we may come from different parts of, of the world, but man, because we're in Jesus, man, we're family. And this first century church, man, they understood that. Understood that. And they fellowship with one another. Now, let me keep moving. I, I said I was going to you know, move quickly here, but like I said, I'm worked up, so let me keep going. Um, lastly, hey, we see that these uh, new Christians, right, uh, they were committed to pray, the prayers. They were committed to prayers, right? That speaks to this thought of them praying in the context of them gathering together, but also them, man, praying for one another outside of that. Man, they were committed to Praying, they understood, right, which is the context of this whole series. They understood that prayer was the work. It was the work. They understood that God could do more in a moment than, man, they could do in a lifetime. And they saw that take place. And so they were committed to prayer. Man, they understood what Philippians 4, 6, and 7 said. Man, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And man, when you do so, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. Right? They understood what Galatians 6, verses 1 and 2 said, talking about praying for each other. It says this, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch over on yourself, lest you too be tempted. But hey, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Man, they prayed for each other. Man, may to God that we'd be a church that prays for one another, bears one another's burdens, and be fully committed to do so. Man, we see that when God shakes things up, man, we see a church that's fully committed. Secondly here, we see when God shakes things up, man, we see a church full of the Spirit. See a church full of the Spirit. Verse 43 says, man, and all came upon every soul, And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Man, that word signs there. And it literally speaks of miracles. Man, God was doing something radical in that place. And it's so easy, Brother Dwayne, to skip over that section. So easy to skip over that section. Man, but God was at work. These new Christians, man, they were seeing God answer prayers, man. Seeing folks saved. Seeing, man, chains broken. Seeing folks growing in Him, man. When God shook the place up, man, that that place was full of the Spirit. Man, may that be said about our church community. Man, that it's known as a place with people that are full of the Spirit. It's known as a place where, man, the Spirit of God is present and moving and active. Man, we see that folks were excited, man, many... Uh, these folks were in awe, it says, these new Christians were at all that God was doing, right? How he was using the apostles, right, to do these great things. It wasn't the apostles that were doing it, by the way. It was, it was the Lord that was doing it. But it says that they were in awe, man. They were pumped up. They were excited to see what God was doing. I remember um, whenever I went to uh, India, 
uh, for a mission trip whenever I was in seminary. We got a chance to lead a pastor's conference um, for these pastors in India. I was, man, like 24 at that time, and you got these pastors coming in from all over, seminary student. I'm a seminary student, man. You talk about, you know, uh, one, a great honor, but two, man, I was scared out of my mind. I was thinking, man, you know, I preach these, these dudes been, you know, preaching in some tough places for a long time. You know, what, I, what do we got to offer to them? But, uh, but man, it was an awesome time in the Lord. I remember one particular moment, Brother Rick, man, I'll never forget. During the worship time, man. These pastors, some of them traveling as far as eight hours away. Right, coming in, praising God for all that he was doing. Chances are they're probably going to get beat whenever they went back to where they were living. But they were praising God for what he was doing. It was, it was some of the most authentic praise ever. And it was one of those moments, man. I mean, we're, we're praying over folks, man. We're seeing God do some, some neat stuff. And it was one of those moments where I just had to step back and just be in awe, if you will, what God was doing. It could have been a moment where I was a little uncomfortable, right? You, some of you in here, you, you, you know, you've probably been like that. Your first response is whenever, you, I mean, you see God at work is, wait, man, that person must be fake. Oh, he, oh, he, 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 he's, he's, one of, he's one of them AGs. You know, he's one of them Pentecostals, you know, that little wild out there, man. Ain't nothing. Instead of, man, just saying, man, look at God. God at work. And these folks were excited, and then we see the fact that God was at work there. When God shakes the place up, man, we see a church that's full of the Spirit. See a church that's full of the Spirit of God. May that be our church. May that be our church. More than just a church full of great programs, although great programs are good. More than a church, you know, full of great activities, man, hey, that's, that's great too. May we be known as a church that man's full of the Spirit. Thirdly, we see here, right, in the text, man, when God shakes things up, we see a church, man, that's focused on generosity. Church that's focused on generosity. Go back to the text. It says it right there. It says it right there, verse 44. It says, all, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They understood that, hey, now, right, now that I'm in Christ, number one, this life is no longer about myself. It's about God. But two, man, now that I'm in Christ, man, this life is all about others and serving others, loving others. It says that they were all together. And then it says, right, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Some of you may be thinking, oh, man, that, that sounds like a certain form of government that I'm not really not really for, if you know what I'm saying. No, it's a, it's, it, it's not communism, right? It, it's Christ-centered living. Amen? Christ-centered living. Speaking to generosity, right? And the fact that these new Christians, man, from the get-go, they understood that what they had, some had more than others, what they had, right, was not theirs. It was God's. What, what they had was, a, were gifts from God. They understood, and I talk about it every week whenever we go into our offering time, right? They understood that Every good and perfect gift, man, was from the Lord. And in the same way, we too ought to understand that. Man, when God shakes things up, right, we become a people, man, that are generous. Generous. Not just with our finances, but with our time, talents, resources. We become a people that are generous. Can that be said of your life? Can that be said of your life? 
practically speaking, bring into this context, what does that look like for us whenever we talk about generosity, right, uh, and giving to the Lord? I believe, you know, it looks like a couple of things, right? Number one, it looks like us choosing, right, to be folks that are active in giving to the Lord and His church, right? We see that throughout Scripture, right? The call to give a tithe started in the Old Testament, right? The, a tithe is a tenth, right? Uh, you can look as early as Leviticus, right? It, part of the, the demands of the law was the, the call to give a tenth of all that they had, right? In gratitude and worship because God had given it to them. See, in Malachi 3.10, the call to give a tithe, a tenth of, what you own, take it to the storehouse of the Lord. You may say, oh, Pastor Irv, man, but where does it say, what does it say in the New Testament about that? You're right, it doesn't talk about tithing specifically. It talks about giving cheerfully, giving in abundance, giving more than a tenth. And the call for us is to give. Here's the truth today. A couple things. We give, number one, out of worship and devotion to God for what He's given us. Hey, we give out of obedience to Him. But here's another thing, too. I've found this to be true in my life. When you choose to be someone that's a generous giver and give to the Lord, right, and to His church to, you know, help us give hope, as we talk about every week, give hope to our community, help, help us to be able to do things we do here in the life of the church. Whenever you choose to be generous and give that way, it's a lot harder to live a self-centered life. A lot harder to live a self-centered life. And so let me encourage you to give. You say, Pastor Irv, man, financial situation's real tight, man, and here you are talking about giving and stuff. I, I get it. I understand. Let, let me encourage you. Hey, start somewhere. Because, hey, because here's the deal. You can't get out-give God. You can't out-give God. I've seen it take place in my life. It's not prosperity gospel. It's just the truth, man. Hey, whenever you choose to be generous and give to the Lord, man, he, he takes care of you. He takes care of you. And so let me encourage you, start somewhere. Start somewhere. And watch the Lord do a work. Right? We see the call to give to the Lord and His church, but secondly, we see the, the call to give to His people out of love. It's this call, hey, whenever you see a brother or sister that may be struggling, hey, stepping into their life and giving to them. As the Lord leads you, as, as you're walking with God and the Lord leads you. I've had this happen in my life plenty of times. When the Lord, as you walk with God and the Lord leads you. And someone that's in need around you, man, you step out and give to them. Remember, hey, we're, we're the family of faith. We're together in this thing. And by the way, hey, you that, that are saving up, yes, yeah, save, save, you know, save up. But the reality is, man, when we go, we, we aren't going to take anything with us. And so we might as well live a life, right, that isn't frivolous, if you will, but we might as well live a life looking to build and invest in eternity. You might, might as well live a life open-handed, saying, God, what I have is yours. As you lead me, man, I'm, I'm going to give to you and give to those that are in need around me. I ought to choose to live a life of generosity, man. Whenever we choose to be generous, man, God does a work in our own heart. And... It's our life slowly stops becoming about us and becomes about God and others. And so let's choose to be generous. Third thing, man, when God shakes things up, man, we see a church focused on generosity. Fourthly, whenever God shakes things up, we see a church freed up to praise. Amen. We see a church freed up to praise. Verse 47. 
Man, it says that, and day by day they, they attended the temple together and broke bread in their homes, right? An aspect of fellowship. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. And it says they were praising God and having favor with all the people. Man, whenever man, the Spirit of God shakes things up, man, we are freed up to praise. Freed up to praise. I remember a, a praise service that I was a part of one time. It wasn't in a church. Um, it was actually uh, uh, in a uh, an apartment of my my buddy, and uh, you know I'll set the scene for you. It was it was Sunday afternoon. We actually just got done with with church, brother Rick. Sunday afternoon, and uh, we met you know met up afterwards at this apartment, and uh, man, we we watched a, a service, if you will, on TV. Now the service was a little unique. Man, it involved a pigskin and two two football teams that were playing against each other. Here's what was happening. It was a playoff game, 2014. My Dallas Cowboys were in it playing the Green Bay Packers. And this was the year, man. This was the year we were going to win the Super Bowl, man. This was the year. I was fired up about it. Man, we were playing, playing well. And it came down to one, you know, one play late in the game where one of our receivers, man, jumped up, made a catch, looked like he scored the touchdown, the knockout punch. We were going to win, go to our first NFC championship since I was three years old, man. I was fired up about it. You talk about worship, man. I'm jumping up on the couch. I'm dancing, celebrating, hooping and hollering. Man, I was fired up. That's right up. But then the referees came in and they ended up reversing the call on the field, which it was four down. So we ended up losing possession of the ball and ended up losing the game. You talk about a change in countenance, brother Brad. I went from hooping and hollering to moping on the couch to lay it out on the floor, just dejected. You know, the, Lord, I'm thinking, what the? But that was a worship service that day, man. I was fired up, hooping and hollering. Who know? And I got to thinking about that, man. So many times, man, hey, I'm, I'm more jazzed up and fired up about worshiping my cowboys than I am worshiping the Lord. Man, I'm more jazzed up and fired up about worshiping, man, the, stuff, the good stuff that's taking place in my life rather than worshiping the Lord. And I get convicted, man, coming in on a sun, you know, Sunday morning, man, when I may not necessarily be feeling it. Or I may not know the song or necessarily feeling the song. And I could just kind of resort to not really singing anything or humming or just, you know, making the appearance. And I'm the preacher, so, you know, making the appearance of singing or worshiping. When in reality, I have no reason not to sing, not to worship. How, how can we keep from singing praise and worshiping the God of the universe for all that he's done in our life? How, how can we keep from doing that? Hey, these first century Christians, man, they understood man, God had done a lot for them. A lot for them. And they couldn't help but to praise and worship him. Couldn't help but to praise and worship him. Psalm 149, verse uh, 1 through 6. I want to read that real quick. Should have those on the screen. But talking about praise, the psalmist here, talking about praise and what it looks like. I'm going to turn in my Bible here. Says this, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the godly, of the godly. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing. Right, and you're thinking, oh man, dancing, uh-oh. No, that, that's just talking about, man, you know, sort of movement, whether it be raising your hands, right, to, 
you know, whatever you want to do there. But it's not talking about gyrating, running around the building, right? It speaks to, you know, raising hands and getting fired up. It says, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adores the humble with salvation. Let the godly exalt in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds, right? A, a lot of scholars believe that word bed speaks to, right, the times of affliction. Not your physical beds, but times of affliction in your life. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands. Man, praise, praise. We ought to be folks that praise. Man, when God shakes things up, man, hey, the church becomes a worshiping church. Full of people that can't help but to express their gratitude and excitement for the Lord. You, Hey, you may not know the song fully. It's all right. We got the words up there, man. You can join in the worship. It may not be your style of music. Hello. I mean, we do a variety of style here. It may not be your style of music, but hey, the Bible says, man, to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It's all of the above. We ought to be singing. But listen, we ought to be folks that choose to worship. We've got a lot of reason to praise, and so we ought to be folks that praise. I love this quote talking about praise. It says this, Satan so hates the genuine praise of Christ that his fiery darts of discouragement are not effective against us when we respond to praise. Man, when discouragement comes our way, we ought to praise. Our praise, that helps us avoid the fiery darts of the discouragement that Satan throws at us. Love this other quote too. It says this, man, a lot of us, we would worry less if we chose to praise more. Thanksgiving is the enemy of discontent and dissatisfaction. So, man, let's be folks that choose to praise. Hey, when you choose to praise, right, in every season of life, like that old hymn of the faith goes, man, when you choose to praise, when you choose to turn your eyes on Jesus, what we're doing whenever we're praising, we're not singing to each other, we're singing to Him. We choose to do that, man. The things of this earth, right, grow strangely dim in light of His glory and grace. Man, man, we choose to praise, man. Whenever God shakes things up, we see a church, man, freed up to praise. And then fifthly and lastly, when God shakes things up, we see a church fired up to witness. We see a church fired up to witness. The last part of verse 47 there, man, it says, The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Right? God was doing the saving, man, but what we see here implied is that these new Christians couldn't help but to Tell others right about this new life that they found in Christ. Man, they couldn't help but to share the good news with Jesus with those that were around. Man, they just saw, man, the Spirit of God shake things up in the day of Pentecost, man. They saw Peter preach the gospel message, them getting saved. And so, man, their response was to go and tell others about this hope that they have in Him. And our response ought to be the same. Ought to be the same. Not be folks that choose to be insulated with the gospel, but folks that choose, man, to step out and verbally share it. Oh, Pastor, but I'm not a preacher. It, hey, it's all right. All, all of us are called to share it. Second Corinthians 5 tells us, man, that we're ambassadors for him. Those of us who are new in Christ, man, we're ambassadors. And so step out and share it. Like, Pastor, I don't, I don't know what to say. Hey, what, what did Jesus do for you? How did you come to saving faith in Him? Man? Hey, hey, start there. Share that testimony. 
And when we share, man, hey, seeds are planted in the hearts and lives of our friends. And man, we'll see a harvest, man. We'll see folks come to know you. We will. I still believe God is able to save. I've seen it personally. Friends in my life, man, been three, four years playing basketball with them, you know, more so getting schooled in basketball, you know, them schooling me. But invested in their life, man, and them coming to faith, man. Seen it take place in the lives of other people, man, being intentional about planting seeds. Man, we ought to be folks, man, that are fired up. To share the good news. If our Christian life simply consists of attending church once a week, man, then, then, then we've missed it. Missed it, man. We, we, we need to shake it up. We need to look like, man, what this first century church looked like. When God shakes things up, when God shakes things up, man, we see a church fully committed. When God shakes things up, hey, we see a church that... Uh, is uh, all in for being full of the Spirit, man. We see a church that's full of the Spirit. When God shakes things up, we see a church focused on being generous, generosity. When God shakes things up, man, we see a church, right, that is freed up to praise, man. We see a church that praises. And when God shakes things up, we see a church fired up about being a witness. So our response ought to be let God shake us up, Amen. We need to shake it up. Shake it up. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask for the band to come up this morning. And as they're coming up, maybe you're new with us uh, today. Right? This is what we uh, call our response time. Right? The Bible says, I don't know if you know this, but the Bible says in James 1, right, that whenever we encounter uh, the Lord and His Word, right, there, there is always a call to respond. He says we're called not just to be hearers of God's word, but doers of it. There's no value in simply just listening and letting the word go through one ear and out the other. Man, there's a call to respond. Call to respond. And now provides uh, that time. As you get alone with the Lord. Maybe you're in here this morning and, man, the Lord wants to shake you up and grow your Commitment to Him. Spending time in His Word. Grow your commitment in. Growing in. Connecting with other believers, right? Obviously on a Sunday, but we've got family groups that meet all during the week. All over town. Provides a great practical first step in getting connected. Maybe God wants to grow you in your prayer life. Maybe your response is to, man, choose to be excited about what all God is doing in and around you, like the apostles were. Help the Lord to cultivate a heart of gratitude and excitement for how He's working in your life and in the lives of other people. Maybe you're here this morning and and your struggle is with being generous, right? You're a hoarder of your stuff. And God wants to shake you up and remind you that it's not his, it's not yours to begin with, it's His. And maybe your response is to choose to take that first step in, in giving something to Him. Maybe you're in here and, and, and you've got a praise problem, right? You're, you're more fired up about your football team or about 
the news on Facebook or what you see rather than fight about praising God. And maybe God wants to grow you in praise. Maybe you're in here and you've got friends in your life that need the gospel. I don't know where you are today, but man, God wants to shake us up. Wants to shake us up. And so in a moment, I'm going to pray for us. And as I pray, listen, you, you do business with God as he's speaking to you. Allow for him to do a, a work in your life. Wrap up this series. Allow him to shake you up. And you respond as he leads. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are, God. We thank you for not just the awesome story of the formation of the first century church, God. And how it started through you shaking up the people in that general region there. Folks speaking all different dialects, all of a sudden understanding one another. And Peter stepping up with boldness through your spirit and preaching the gospel. And folks getting saved. God, this new church growing and maturing in you, God. God, I pray that that would be us. God, I pray that we would be a, God, a people that is not satisfied with God, just being a, a lukewarm Christian. Pray that we'd be a people that isn't satisfied with God, just checking off a few boxes and thinking that we're good in our Christian life. God, I pray that you'd shake us up. Pray that we'd be a folk, people that are fully committed, God, to growing in you and your word and in prayer, God, fully committed to investing in, God, discipleship and community. Pray that we'd be a people, Lord, that every day choose to be filled with your spirit, Lord, by dying to ourselves. We'd allow for you to, to lead our life, control our life. Pray that we'd be a people, Lord, that choose to be generous, live life open-handed. God, I pray that we'd be a people that, that choose to feel like we're freed up to praise you. God, for all that you've done for us, I pray that we'd be a people that we choose to get serious about witnessing. Lord, I pray that for my life. God, we ask that you continue to shake us up this morning. And we ask these things all in your gracious name. Amen.